This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have David on from Grella Shaw, and our topic today is understanding wrongful termination. It's actually a topic I haven't covered, and uh, I was really, I'm really curious about it, uh, um, just because I think people can get jammed up here pretty quickly, pretty easily, and there's probably some easy ways to avoid that. And I uh, can't wait to learn from David. David, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Grilla Shaw? Sure. Uh, good uh, morning or afternoon, depending on where you are. My name sure. is David Siegel. <laughs> uh, I am an attorney with uh, Grilla Shaw. I've been uh, practicing for almost 20 years now. Uh, I work mostly with uh, startup companies, kind of doing the range of work they need, which does include uh, employment related issues, which, you know, come up rather frequently. Um, Grell Shaw as a whole is a boutique law firm out in California, Northern California. We largely work with startups. Um, we have a corporate practice and then a litigation practice. Our litigation practice does do a lot of employment litigation, um, both employer and employee side, depending on the situation. Um, and, uh, so we have a lot of familiarity with, uh, dealing with wrongful termination type issues. Well, and and so, whew, where do we start with wrongful termination, right? So let's let's start it <laughs> because I I guess there's certain things that are going to be federal, and then there's going to be probably some things that are state by state. Uh, if do I have that correctly? You have that entirely correctly. Yes. Okay. So let's start with the federal. Let's maybe that's uh, easier ish. <laughs> uh, sure. So let's start with federal and kind of give people kind of the the four walls of wrongful termination from a federal perspective. Sure. So so under federal law, there are um, essentially um, anti-retaliation laws and anti-discrimination laws um, that protect people from being having adverse action taken against them uh, in connection with their employment. Now that adverse action doesn't necessarily have to mean that they were fired. It could be that they were demoted or not given a pay increase, but, you know, for our purposes, you know, the adverse action that, you know, we're talking about is wrongful termination. It's pretty limited though. What, um, is considered wrongful mm-hmm. termination from a federal standpoint. We're basically talking about the the various types of protected class discrimination, you right? Know, uh, age, uh, race, religion, gender. Um, so it, it's not. Uh, it's pretty narrow in that sense, right? Right. So so uh, and who who decides? And and, and just for the non-lawyers yeah who do, who do who decides uh is that just through uh federal i mean is that just kind of statutes or is that kind of uh what is it the labor board uh is it's like who's up who, who makes the rules there it, it's statutory with ah, yeah. um with some 
there are regulations that right. the executive branch puts in place, but this is basically statutory. Okay, good. So we have some guide rails on yeah. on what is and isn't, but there also is some fluidity in terms of okay, things that maybe weren't covered or haven't been uh, are not stated or explicitly stated in the law. Well, I mean, sexual orientation would be one of them. Yeah. Um, there's. Uh, there, that's a great I mean, one. That's, until, that's actually really good. That's, that's that was on my mind. Is actually yeah. thinking about okay, all right, how does the law define uh, someone that's non-binary? Uh, how do you? How's what's the treatment of that? Or, or or is there a treatment? We're in the we're in the very early stages of figuring that out. It was only a couple of years ago that the Supreme Court decided that. Um, for the purposes of um, employment-related discrimination, that right. sexual orientation was covered as a form of of um, uh, gender discrimination. Wow! Oh um, my God! It's not. It's not. <laughs> I'm shocked by that. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll get past the shock. Okay. There's no. There's no place in any statute where sexual orientation is mentioned as a. Um, uh, a recognized form of discrimination for employment purposes at a federal level. It was just that the Supreme Court actually, and this was, you know, a conservative Supreme Court came to this decision. This was not, um, right. this was not a long time ago. This is just a couple of years ago. Right. Um, so, uh, but in terms of, I mean, in terms of someone who's non-binary, um, in some ways it's easier to fit the existing rubrics of gender discrimination um, to someone who's non-binary, because if you discriminate against someone who um, who is biologically male for presenting in a non-male fashion, that's right. more of the traditional kind of gender discrimination that um courts are used to right right that's that, because again there's also a little bit more track record there as well or at least more experiences there um so okay so so statutory and again i guess we learn some of these things through through stat statutes that are made is because something happens uh, in employment and then people sue and then it kind of moves through the ranks uh, at the at the st state, federal, Supreme Court, etc. It goes goes through the process and then becomes law of the land, so to speak. Right. I mean, it, it, employment law is is a little bit strange in that sense, in that you have um, both states and the federal government, and sometimes local government. By the way, it's not just state and federal. Oh, good point. Legislating about the same things and um you need to know both because there are sometimes just nuanced differences between the two right um and this this goes this is this goes beyond wrongful termination this is every right 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 this is everything in employment law yeah yeah the purview of employment law so what what is uh the the relationship between the the national labor relations board like, what's their role in in either helping us or deciding or creating some guide rails around wrongful termination, or is there a or, or do they are they even in the mix? Um, 
they're very, in a limited sense, they're in the mix. Uh, a lot of what the NLRB does is, deals with union-related uh, yeah, yeah. things. But there is one area that is very relevant to wrongful termination <laughs> where they do speak and where it's 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 in the statutes and it's does it's it falls outside of having to do with unions is that it is unlawful for an employer to take retaliatory action that includes again termination right, right. um for um employees discussing wages oh oh my goodness that's interesting yeah and especially so, with all the transparency stuff that's being headed to the front end and job descriptions and uh, both states and and uh, and municipalities are are making it kind of mandatory to for for job descriptions and uh, and things like that to actually have pay stated. Right. <laughs> I can see I can see this these two trains are coming on the same track. So they are very much coming on the same track. There's a huge hitch though, wow. which is that you can't actually sue as a private individual under that statute. Right. Um that would more be a class action? No, you have to go and make a complaint to the to the NLRB and it has to be a government. The government has to take up the. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and, and the NLRB, NLRB, as I understand it, at least historically, those are appointments. Right? Yes, they are. So that yes. kind of swings back and forth, uh, just depending on <laughs> who's making those appointments. Yes. Who's, yes. Okay. <laughs> and and if, if there's somebody to approve them. Uh, oh yeah. Like if you have a, you know, the wow. legislative branch, the Senate in one party, and the. Uh, presidency in another, then you don't necessarily. Um, I can I can see yeah. that becoming extremely politicized. Okay, yeah. got it. Fair enough. So it, I live in Texas and uh, yeah. grew up in Texas and uh, started my career, worked and hired. And I remember being, uh, I remember it being explained to me, and this is horrible, but a hundred years ago, this would be the eighties, that Texas is a right to hire state. And and I was like, okay, well, what what? Yeah, great. Technically, what does that mean? Well, it's right to fire. <laughs> well, yes. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we just call it right to fire then, <laughs> and, and not call it right to hire? And uh, I remember, and so I was 18 years old, so of course all this stuff was very confusing for me. It's still confusing for me. However, it's just uh, every state's, and you even to the municipalities, so now we'll move off a little bit of the federal, states, you go from state to state, they're going to have their own kind of take on, I mean, Texas right to hire, you whatever that's called. Uh, people crossing over into a different state are going to have different rules that apply to them. Yes. And Ooh, this gets tricky fast. Okay. It does get tricky fast. And, and you, what you have is, I mean, so the, the general rule in almost all of the United States is, is you have employment at will, which. Right really means that you as an employee can quit at any time. You do not need to give notice. You can just walk off the job and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, uh, and your employer also uh, can terminate you with or without notice and with or without any cause. And that's, and that's really what um, at will means is that from the employer side is they don't need cause to terminate you. Right. Um, really, there's only one state in the United States that um, isn't fully at will. 
and that's I can't, I'm gonna make a guess. That's Calvary, California. No, it's what? Montana. Huh? Oh Montana my god, dude! I would one. have totally lost that bet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah it's it's not, it's not one you would get now now mind you there's then then there's the huge caveat which is you don't need cause to terminate someone but there are a set of things for which you can't terminate someone and yes california is yeah it's most definitely rigorous. more protective than yeah. most other states uh they're not not all other states, but most other states. Why is that? Is that just their evolution, or is it because? Because I, I have kind of a love hate relationship with this, with with yeah. with HR in California, which I'm sure you and your colleagues yes. have a much deeper conversation about. But uh, I I I kind of love that 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 there's more protection, etc. But also see it as uh, it it kind of hinders a lot of things that that you'd like to do as an employer. So I kind of see the both sides of it. Like I like, I mean, obviously I like the protections for employees, um, yeah. but I also see it be making it difficult for companies to do some of the things that they could do in another state. And, and so, so yin and yang, right? So, yeah. so what do you see? Cause you've got a much better vista in which to look at this than I do. I, th- I think if you, had a conversation about the types of things you can't terminate someone for in California, you'd have a lot of people saying that makes perfect sense. Why doesn't everyone do that? Right. And then you get into what happens in practice and, and that is much more nuanced than um, what sounds like what oftentimes sounds like a nice idea. So I'll give you um, an example. Um, So, Employer in Texas and employer, well, employee in Texas, because it really matters where your employee is, not employer. So I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, go ahead. Generally speaking, and uh, employee in Texas, employee in California are each asked by their employer to do something illegal. And they both say no. And they're both fired. Right. The one in California can sue for wrongful termination and the one in Texas cannot. So in Texas, unless you're a public employee, it is perfectly legal to terminate your employee for not doing something illegal at employer's request. So wow. in California, you can't. You you cannot right. Um, right. terminate someone for doing something illegal. So I think a and lot that, of people... When, is, he, is he legal... Um... Is that is that based on misdemeanors, felonies? Is there is there kind of a chart? No. What? Nope. Nope. So so someone, I mean, convicted of, I mean, not just uh, accused. Obviously, there's the presumption of of innocence, but convicted of something, they can't. They literally can't fire you for being convicted of something. No. Oh no. I'm sorry. I'm saying something different. Oh. Okay. I'm saying your employer says orders you. Your employee and your employee, your employer says, "I want you to go steal that car oh, for our yeah, business." Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now I get it. Now I get it. In okay. Texas, if you say no, your employer can terminate you. Right. In California, you can sue if your employer terminates you. Um, I think a lot of people would think if your employer fires you because you <laughs> refuse to do an illegal act. Yes, I think that's that fair. Could- that yeah. should that you should have some rights. Yeah. In Texas, you only would if you were working for the Texas government. 
right um, if you're a if you're a public employee private wow. employees do not uh in a lot of states you don't in california you can sue for that and right and rightfully so um and i guess the argument in texas would be that it that so I don't know what the I don't know what the argument would be, but but basically it gives the employer the maximum amount of, of flexibility. Yeah, and that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and which which in this case around something illegal, they shouldn't have that flexibility. <laughs> right, and I, I yes, and, and and I agree with that. But okay. <laughs> So we're, we're just peeling yarn. We're just peeling the one string of the yarn. It's going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah, it all, it, it all, it starts to fall apart. Well, because first things first is, you know, unless there's something in writing that says this, that's right. Then it becomes a, he, he said, she said thing. That's right. And so you take a situation in which, somebody is terminated and the employee is upset about it and wants to sue right and then they and find they out they try, don't have the protections yeah yeah they try to figure what are the protections what can they what can they use as a story to um make a claim um and in texas well you can come up with that story and it wouldn't mean anything but in california that story is now, I mean, I'm not saying that they'll win. Right. They right, sue, right, right. But that story becomes a cost to the company. And now. Right. Uh, right. So. So let me ask a, a off a tangential question around uh, employee handbooks. Yes. Do, do employee handbooks, I mean, <laughs> I, I again, love hate relationship with employee handbooks because uh, most of them aren't written by lawyers. Uh, <laughs> so there's the there's the uh, hate part. Love is I think there are some good intentions of kind of giving employees guidelines around what they should and shouldn't can and can't do, etc. So yeah. I think I think some people, most people, need some structure, uh, and I think they're again good intentions. I just don't think they're. I, I think the practice of employee handbooks are. Um, you know, not not uh, not by employee employment attorneys, people that actually know the practice uh, and the laws behind this. So, what's what's been your what's been your experience, especially around termination with employee handbooks? So, employee handbooks, um, an employee handbook that's written just by an attorney is a mistake, and one that's written without an attorney is a mistake. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's such a great answer. <laughs> if it's written just by an attorney, it probably will have no practical value. Right, right, um, right, right. Um, if it's written without an attorney, then that is an easy way to create a whole different class of wrongful termination claims. That's right. Um, because you're going to have your employees sign that probably. And they're going to argue that you've created some sort of contract. Right, right. And maybe you've said in there... Before you're terminated, here are the things we do. We go through progressive discipline where you're given a written notice and then blah, blah. Well, that's all. Those are all great policies and procedures. But did you now contractually bind yourself to only terminate someone if you've gone through all those procedures? That's right. That's right. I've seen that happen. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you have to be 
you have to be careful. I mean, I, I agree with you. A good, a good employee handbook um, can be culturally beneficial, can create clarity around things, but it has right. to, um, it really, I mean, largely should be driven by the company's non-lawyers and then checked by lawyers to right. make sure you're not going beyond what you want to. Because yeah, not setting yeah. up uh, uh, promises or not setting up expectations, right. et cetera, making sure that also we're within the law. Exactly. Uh, so that something's not stated outside. You you mentioned something that that uh, where the employee lives. So again, with COVID, in pre-COVID, the employees were all over everywhere. So even pre-COVID, but but because of COVID, you know, you have employees all over the country. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure that uh, that most of the audience would understand that it's not the. I guess it's. Exp I guess unless it's explicitly stated. It's it's the laws of that state. Let's just use states as a kind of an example. Yeah. So the company can be headquartered in San Mateo in California, but if that employee is in Austin, Texas, then it's the employee employment laws of Texas that governs that that governs their employment. Is that ish correct? That is that is ish correct. You can some companies try to contract around right. that. Right. Some some states will honor that and some states won't. Right. Um, uh, but generally you should be expecting to be following the laws of where your employees are and not where you are. I can see this getting tricky, um, A, with the amount of people that are working in different states. So that's just the complexity of it all and making sure that we're compliant in all of those states, but also with kind of some of the digital nomads. Like I've got a good friend that's in a van, actually <laughs> an RV, right? So she right. doesn't have a physical address. So like, okay, what happens? In, and she's a full-time employee. So what happens in that weird, which it is, it was more of a, it's more of an outlier now than it was pre-COVID. But, but like what happens in that scenario? Is it at the moment of termination where she's, where, where he or she is located? Um, Probably not. In, in the sense that um, it can't simply be that because remember, I mean, you could terminate someone while they're on, you know, vacation in Florida, Disney World. And that's right. right yeah. Right, so right. it's not simply where you are at the moment. Maybe um, where they have the driver's license. Yeah. You got to figure out where they're yeah. where, the closest thing to be a resident of. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you can go back to you, you vote from somewhere or you have a voting exactly. card for somewhere. You have a driver's license from somewhere and the laws of that somewhere then now apply. Whether or not right. you're somewhere else or not, uh, it doesn't really doesn't really matter. Um, so so last thought on on wrongful terminations, uh, as, as, as I have it on my notes, is around non-competes. And yep. uh, and what, you know, because in Texas. Again, <laughs> such an outlaw state. Uh, basically, what I've seen in practice, both in uh, and 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 what both people say is, unless it's really myopic, like you can't work for these three firms for this amount of time period, that they're, they're basically useless. Now, that's just I'm a, not a lawyer, so that's just basically what I've seen and heard. What if what if what's your take on non competes? Because you you know you're you're, you're across the entire nation probably yeah. know, outside of that. So what do you see in non-completes as it relates to wrongful termination? Well, uh, 
non-competes they're they're very tricky because every state is different and it's not at all statutory law doesn't tend to guide you you have to get into court cases where you're where you're figuring out okay it's not just what the subject matter area is it's what's the geographic area and what's oh, wow. the time limitation that it would apply right. to right so um depending on the state you know a one year not compete might be as far as you can go and others right. you know you might be able to do something like 3 years um so it, it's it's very very state specific um texas is is you know uh <laughs> not the most restrictive. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you go to California, you can't do non-competes basically at all. Right. Um, um, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for being, using non-competes sparingly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, getting back to the culture of the organization and all that other stuff, it's, you know, if someone does it, if someone has a better opportunity, it'll be interesting to see how it gets litigated. You know, right. Right. See, okay, you went from let's just say Oracle to Workday as a direct competitor. Sure. Um, you know, so you'd sign an employment uh, employment agreement on the front end. It's going to have some language in, usually around non solicitation, non disclosure, yeah. non competes, etc. And so then, okay, the, but then the enforcement of that is fascinating to me because then you know now depending on if that employee lives in whatever state that has maybe more of a lax view of non-competes they might not necessarily honor what was in that contract might not that's true and right. the, the problem i mean with non-competes i mean you had talked about like uh, the kind of narrow situation where you won't work for abc company right non-competes are rarely written quite that way that's right um and um it's one area of litigation that i've seen i see it on it tends to be on very extreme ends of the spectrum. Employer <laughs> sues because the employee does exactly the thing the non-compete is there for. That's like right. They can work for or started up a direct competitor. Right. And there's usually some trade secret issues. And the other on the other side are the companies. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I've, I, I have a lot of founders come and they're getting ready to start a company and they're worried and I have to, you know, I had to listen, where are you working now? Because there are some companies that are just known to like reflexively sue people. Right. Um, and uh, that's sad. I mean, that's just. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a waste of, it's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. yeah. This, David, this is, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on the, on the podcast. This has been great. Absolutely. I was glad to be here and uh, hope, uh, hope there was some information. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is this is a topic everyone everyone's it's everyone's curious about it. But then again, until you're in the weeds with it, you don't and you yeah. don't really know. But thank you so much. You're welcome. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.